Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Give us a call, 208-991-4783, and become one of our friends over on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Uh, well, uh, before we do get started, I want to encourage you, uh, if you can, to support our listener support campaign. Special thanks to Joel, who uh, gave in support of the show. We're sending access to our premium site. And also, uh, uh, one of the uh, extras available, which include digital downloads of the Colonial Radio Theater's um, uh, programs, including Father Brown, Perry Mason, uh, Treasure Island, uh, just a wide variety of different shows we're making available for you to enjoy. Uh, At the $50 donation level, uh, we... Uh, send, uh, one option that's available is, uh, additional mist, uh, uh, additional, uh, downloads from BBC Audio, including, uh, the several Poirot mysteries available. Uh, and we also have, uh, Amazon, uh, instant, uh, instant video, uh, they'll be sent. You can watch it on, uh, uh, an eligible device or on your computer, uh, through Amazon instant video, your choice of several uh, uh, Poirot uh, television movies starring David Suchet, including Appointment with Death, The Third Girl, and Murder on the Links. And we have even more options available at support.greatdetectives.net. Well, we have two lost episodes between last week's show and this one. Um, the titles are unknown. Uh, and uh, the title of this week's episode is a very different episode. I think you, I hope you're going to enjoy it. From uh, February 26th of 1950, here now is Episode 6 of Christopher London, The Terrible Price of Sugar. With a knife in his back, a nameless Filipino in San Francisco. With a bullet in her body, a girl in mid-Pacific. But there were others. There were so many others. 8,000 of them on an island in the Philippines. The National Broadcasting Company presents Christopher London, created especially for radio by the world's foremost mystery writer, Earl Stanley Gardner, produced and directed by William N. Robeson, and starring Mr. Glenn Ford. I am Christopher London. The whole thing started with a vague conversation about the murder of an unknown Filipino. Mr. Anders, president of the San Francisco Sugar Company, either could not... Or would not say what, if anything, he suspected. I'm sorry, Mr. London. I can't tell you what I think because I don't know what I think. I get the impression that it's not the murder that worries you. Why should it? I never saw the man. I had no idea who he was or why he tried to get to me. With a knife in his back, the doctors wonder how he ever made it to my door. A knife in his back with your name and address in his pocket. And his body terribly scarred as if he'd been beaten for years. Yes, it's all very mysterious. But the police are investigating. I suppose they'll learn the truth in time. That's not what I wanted to see you about. What else, then? The price of sugar. 
The price of sugar. Exactly. Now, this is all I can tell you. We've... Uncle Ted, I wonder Oh, if come I... in, dear. Oh. Yeah, this is Christopher London, my niece Linda. Oh, I've heard about you, Mr. London. Oh, now, whatever you've heard, I deny every word of it. <laughs> is Mr. London sailing with me, Uncle Ted? Uh, maybe on the same ship would be a better way to put it. Yes, my dear, I wanted to go to Manila. Oh, then you'd better go, Mr. London. Whether you want to or not, you're as good as a board ship already. <laughs> Get ashore, Mr. London. Well, there's still a few minutes. Yeah, I suppose. How do you like the stateroom? Oh, it's very elegant. Good. Now, uh, is there anything else you want to know? You want me to find out how a company named Southern Cross is able to go on underselling your product. And that's all? That's all. Frankly, Mr. Frankly, Mr. Anders, I don't get the reason for all this, this outlay of money here in this stateroom. Don't you? Maybe it's because if you don't come back, I'd like to think you died in luxury. All ashore, let's go in the shore. Well, All London, bon voyage. Linda will be waiting for me at the gangway. Keep an eye on her, will you? And uh, look out for yourself, too. The ship was beautiful, the night was dark, and the sea was calm. Hawaii was a long way beyond the horizon, and Manila and the Philippines still farther. The girl beside me at the rail was very, very lovely. She sighed rather happily and said, My uncle said you'd probably ask me a lot of questions. Did he, Miss Anders? Won't Linda do? Linda? Christopher. (laughs) Now that we've got that settled, let's uh, get back to the questions your uncle said I would ask. Did he say what they'd be? Mm, Not exactly. Uh Well, did he say what your answers would be? Uh, not, not exactly. exactly. Yes. <laughs> Shall we walk around the deck? We walked once around the deck, and then we went into the cocktail lounge and had a coffee and brandy at a little table in a quiet corner. You know, Christopher, I think this is going to be a good voyage. Well, I hope it is. Have you ever been out to Manila before? Oh, lots of times. I've gone with my uncle every time he went, ever since I can remember. I, oh, my parents died when I was a baby. If that explains anything. It does. A little. I suppose you know a lot about your uncle's business, then? That's one of the questions he said you'd ask me. And the answer? <laughs> the answer is yes. I think I know as much about his business as he does. You're a very interesting girl, Linda. You know, that's what I always say. I always say, Linda, you're a very interesting girl. <laughs> oh, don't look now, but there's a boy. man coming. You don't know me and I don't know you, but that ain't no reason why we can't yell at each other over the fence now, is it? I'm Jim Blake from Texas, a lone star state. And where I go, I buy the drinks. Oh, waiter. Coming, sir? Uh, won't you sit down, Mr. Blake? I am sitting, thank you, ma'am. My name's Blake. Yes, that's what I thought you said. One of the New Jersey Blakes, no doubt. Well, now, you know that is real funny. Oh? Oh, I'm sorry. People's always yoking me about Texas. What'd you say your name was? I didn't say. However, it's London. Christopher London. Well, I'm mighty glad to know you, Chris. What'll you and Mrs. London have? Fifteen or twenty years later, Linda and I pried ourselves out of the heart of Texas. She said she was tired, so I took her to her stateroom door. Good night, Linda. Sleep well. Oh, uh, come in for a minute. What? All right. Just for a minute. There's something I want to give you. Sit down while I find it. Maria, not finished yet? No, ma'am, but pretty... Linda's personal maid, a pretty girl from the islands, was still unpacking trunks. In a moment, Linda returned with a small decorated jewel case in her hands. Oh, here it is. Christopher, 
Keep it for me, will you? Oh, now, look, if this is jewelry, you'd better give it to the purse. Uh, oh, it no, safe. no, it's not jewelry. Oh, and do you mind if I ask just what it... Well, it's... It, nothing. It's it, just that I'd rather you kept it. All right. Good night, Linda. Until tomorrow, Christopher. I took the jewel case back to my stateroom and found that somebody had shoved a note under my door. It read, Take off that beard, we know you. Hmm, the writer had a sense of humor. But in my experience, the most dangerous enemies are those that laugh. I took a closer look at the little jewel case. It had one of those intricate Chinese locks that are easy to break, but not easy to open without the proper key. I put the box in a pillowcase and carried it to the office of the ship's doctor... Now, what can I do for you, Mr. London? Uh, your laboratory is equipped with X-ray, I suppose, Doctor? Yes, of course. Uh, well, I, I know this sounds a little strange, but I, I wonder if you'd take a picture of this, this box here, just as it is. It was exactly what I expected. I carried the box back to my stateroom, shoved it under the bunk, and went to bed. I don't know how long I'd been asleep when suddenly there was a knock on the door. I was out of bed like a shot. Just a second. Yes? Miss Anders, I'll keep you. will come at once. What? Oh, yes, yes, all right. I'll be there in a minute. I put on a pair of pants and shirt, hurried into the corridor, and collided with... Look, look where you're what? going, can't you? Oh, what? Howdy, London. Yeah, sorry, in a hurry. Come in, Christopher. What's the matter? Well, nothing's the matter. I just couldn't sleep, and I was lonely. Oh, no. Oh, uh, look... Look, do you realize it's 2 a.m.? Well, of course, if you'd rather go back to bed. All right, all right. What do you want to do? Would you like to play some gin rummy? No, I wouldn't like to play some gin rummy. No. Well, men love to talk about themselves. Let's talk about you. Okay, get the cards. We played a few hands in silence, and then Linda asked... Christopher. What? What did you think of Mr. Blake, the Lone Star Stranger? You ever been in Texas? No, why? Uh, well, I wonder if he has. You mean you think... Oh, forget it. You know, I've got gin. Oh. And now, if you think that I've been away from my cabin long enough, I'm going back. Away from your cabin long enough? I don't understand. Well, I just wondered if that precious jewel box of yours would still be there. Christopher, you don't think somebody's taken it. Would it make any difference? You opened it, but you had to break the lock off, didn't you? Well, what are you talking about? Because the lock was filled with solder. It couldn't be opened. Well, I didn't open the case, Linda. Then why are you so casual about it? Because it was filled to the top with just what you said was in it. Nothing. But, uh... Now, I'll save you the trouble of asking. I had the thing x-rayed. Oh. Yes, you can say that again. <laughs> oh, forgive me, Christopher. It was just a sort of a trial. My uncle and I wanted to be sure you were clever enough for this job. And you are clever, Christopher. Really clever. You're the only man I ever met who's smarter than I. Christopher? Hmm? Would you consider kissing me goodnight? Yeah. I'll consider it. When I finally got back to my stateroom, the jewel case was no longer under the bed where I'd put it. But I think that as I went to sleep again, I may have had a smile on my face. The days that followed were filled with shuffleboard and the nights were filled with dancing. 
Jim Blake, the Texas steer, was usually close by. But in time, well, in time he got used to him, as you would a bad head cold. Every night when I turned in, I could expect to find another humorous little message tucked under my door, such as, roses are red, violets are blue, sugar is sweet, and you'll be a long time dead. Meanwhile, in odd moments with Linda, I managed to get a little more information about sugar growing and refining. One moonlit night when we were together on the boat deck. Mm, isn't it magic, darling? Isn't it simply magic? Christopher, I'm talking to you. What? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. What are you thinking about? Oh, sugar, I guess. Oh. Now, you say this Southern Cross Company is selling sugar at a price that is actually below your cost. That's right. Well, are your costs higher than they should be? They're as low as any in the industry, and I don't want to talk about it now, darling. Oh, perhaps they may have developed some new and better method of refining Possibly. sugar. Possibly. That's what you're supposed to find out. Christopher. Hmm? I'm cold. A few days after leaving Honolulu on the way to Manila, we entered a bank of thick fog, like a damp, clinging shroud. And it was in the fog that tragedy struck, suddenly and without warning. I was standing at the rail near the stern, looking out at nothing, listening to the foghorn and the beat of the ship's engines, when... Well, I couldn't see a thing. I ran in the direction of the sound. Groping through the fog, I found, I found a white coat flapping emptily, caught in a boat davit. It was Linda's coat. <laughs> You are listening to Christopher London, starring Glenn Ford. It was an apparently harmless mission that Anders had asked me to undertake, simply to find out how it was possible for a rival sugar refining company to undersell his product. Mr. Anders had warned me that the job might be dangerous, and so it was. I stood on deck in the swirling fog, holding Linda's coat in my hands and feeling sick at heart. The liner's searchlights were vainly glaring through the mist. But it was useless, and everybody knew it. I started for the radio room to send a message to Anders when a vague figure moved behind me. Christopher, who was it? Linda. What's the matter? And, and what are you doing with my coat? Oh, Linda. I told Maria to wear it when I sent her to look for you, and then I... Christopher. Was it Maria? I'm afraid so. Oh, poor Maria. An hour or so later, I found Texas Jim Blake in the bar. Well, howdy, London. Double scotch and soda for my friend here. Very good, sir. Well, that was right nasty business about Miss Anders made, wasn't it? I understand you think you heard a shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I heard a shot. Mm, real on me. Who do you think would have wanted to kill that poor girl? If I was in charge of this boat, I'd look for a gun that had been fired lately. Well, I doubt if you'd find it at the bottom of the ocean. You think you'd throw it overboard? Wouldn't you? Well, now, I suppose I would. That reminds me of a story I heard about a cowpoke back in Texas. Seems he Mr. Was about... Blake, do you ever get tired of that accent? How's that? What? Well, I just talked the way folks talk in Texas. This ain't no accent, son. That's Texas talk. Yeah, okay, okay. Oh, by the way... Were you in Dallas or Galveston when Maria was shot and pitched over the side? London, let me ask you a simple question. Why do you care where I was at when that shot was fired? You think I killed her? Did you? 
In Texas? Yes, we... yes, I know. In Texas, they shoot men for less than that. <laughs> You're joking me again, London. Hey, you know, London, I've been thinking. Now, naturally, I know Miss Lynn and her uncle is interested in the sugar business in the Philippines, and just as it happens, I got an interest in sugar myself. I'm some stock in a company named the Southern Cross. You ever hear of it? Southern Cross Sugar? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've heard of it. They got a plantation of something like 50 square miles on the island of Negros, haven't they? Yeah, 50 square miles of sugar cane. That's what they tell us poor stockholders. But I'm from Texas, and I don't believe nothing that I don't see. Folks that run this shindig say we can sell more sugar and cheaper than any other company in the world. Well, I got money in this proposition, Chris. Good Texas money, and I'm going to see for myself. Uh, you and Miss Linda wouldn't want to come along, would you? Sort of look over the plantation with me? Why, Mr. Blake, I just bet Miss Linda and I would be charmed to look over the Southern Cross plantation with you. Oh, you're always joking me, London, but I mean that invitation. Seriously. And I mean it. Seriously. Well, then, that is just wonderful. Tomorrow we'll be in Manila. I got me a boat waiting for me, and they tell me the trip to Negros just ain't nothing. Have another drink. A little later, I went down to Linda's stateroom to escort her to dinner. All right, Christopher. I'm ready. Linda, I've been talking to Jim Blake. Oh, the Texas steer. He's not funny. I think he's a killer. What? Yes, I think he tried to kill you and got Maria instead. Now he wants you and me to visit the Southern Cross Plantation. Says he has Texas money in it. But why, Christopher? I, I don't understand. Why would he... It's either a trap or a showcase. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. Well, I still don't understand. Well, neither do I. Whatever it is, though, you're going to stay in Manila while I take a look at it. There's no point in us both taking a chance. <laughs> I left Linda in Manila at the local office of her uncle's company. Blake and I went on together to the island of Negros and the huge Southern Cross Plantation. It rained constantly and the growl of distant thunder was almost continuous. The director of the plantation was a suave, expressionless fellow named Juan Ibarra, who used words as if he were translating from another language. Coming from the south is Paduela, senores. Very bad storm. Well, if you haven't been in a Texas storm, you don't know what a storm is really like. What time is it, Chris? It's about four well, now, let me see. We've done pretty well for one day's inspection. We've gone through the refinery from top to bottom, saw the loading dock, drove through one of the fields of sugar cane. Well, what do you say we go back to the house and have us a drink? Yes, I could use one, Blake. While we drove back to the director's house, I asked a few innocent questions. Uh, Ibarra? Yes, yes, senor. Uh, tell me, how many men does it take to do the work on a place this size? It takes seven, eight thousand, maybe. Seven, eight thousand. Oh, that's a lot of men. Where do you keep them? Where do I keep them? Yes, I, I mean, where do they live? See, on the plantation. Here they live. Yes, I know that. Uh, hey, Chris, I've been thinking about that refinery. Are uh, you much of an engineer? Enough to understand the simple process of refining sugar. It seemed like a good plant. As you say, Senor London, the plant is good, but it is just the same like many others. No difference. Yes, yes, I suppose so. I was asking about the workers on the place. Oh, what's that? Oh, wait a minute. Stop the car. Look, I said stop the car. No, Senor London. It is not to be wise to interfere. Oh, they're whipping that poor devil to death. Maybe he deserves it, huh, Ibarra? Well, nobody could deserve punishment like that. It is the only thing the bad ones understand, Senor London. And the subject was dropped. Just like that. 
A few moments later, Ibarra led Blake and me out in front of the plantation house and drove the jeep away to the garage. For a moment, we stood together in the rain. He seemed a little subdued. Yeah, too bad about what we've seen back there. I guess they ain't real human, though. They're more like animals. Oh, would you beat a horse or a dog to death? As a stockholder in this here plantation, I'm going to talk to Bar about that. You coming in? Uh, no, no, you go on ahead. I'll be right with you. Okay, I sure am soaking. Rain ain't nothing like Texas rain. There was something ominous about the place. Not just the steady rain or the thunder grumbling in the distance. Not just the cruelty I had glimpsed in the sodden jungle. No, it was something more. It was something worse than I was willing to let myself believe. As I entered the house, I saw that the living room was dark and apparently deserted. But there was a log blazing in the fireplace, so feeling damp and cold, I went and held my hands to its warmth. Senor London? What? Oh. Well, hello. I am Dolores, Senor London. Hello, Dolores. I was told you like scotch and soda. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I, I have know. a drink all ready for you. Here, by the fire. A drink for me, too. Well, you or, or somebody seems to think of everything. No, thanks. Uh, you're Mrs. Ibarra, I suppose? No, senor. I am just Dolores. Oh. Is your drink as you would have it? Yes, just right, Dolores. Senor. Yes, Dolores. Just right. I... How can I say it? I had expected you to be the same. Like other friends of it. But you are different. You are very different. Say it. I suppose you were told to get me to talk. Another time it might be kind of pleasant to play that game. But not tonight. There's something I want to ask you, even though I don't expect an answer. If I asked you to come away with me, away from this plantation, right now, tonight, would they let us go? I... I do not know. That's the answer I expected. I'm going to change it to some dry clothes. How long she'd been standing there in the doorway, I don't know. I hadn't heard a sound, but as I turned away from Dolores and started to my room... Hello, Christopher. Linda, I told you not to come. Aren't you glad to see me? Now, Linda, I wasn't hired to be your companion or your bodyguard. Now, I was hired to make one single investigation. Yes, how's the investigation going to be? Well, your uncle wants to know how Southern Cross is able to undersell him. I think I'm beginning to understand. Christopher, hmm? I got a wire in Manila from my uncle. He's making some kind of a deal. He wants you to drop the whole thing. And that was that. I was just to drop the whole thing. But the whole thing was something I couldn't drop. Too much blood had been shed. Late that night, when the others were asleep, I stole out of the house. The center of the storm had veered around to the east and seemed somewhat nearer. By the flashes of lightning, I found the road I was looking for, the road Ibarra had avoided during our tour of inspection. The path wound through the jungle for perhaps a quarter of a mile and then came to what was unmistakably 
a concentration camp. The miserable collection of shelters was completely surrounded by a high stockade of steel and barbed wire. The single gate was guarded by a sentry with a Tommy gun. One look was enough. Now I knew the secret of the Southern Cross's success. Forced labor. Slavery. I returned to the house and cautiously opened the door. Well, howdy, Chris. Been out walking, have you? Take his gun, Bar. It will be better you do not move, Senor Lama. Gracias. Christopher, I told you to drop the whole thing. Now see what you've done. You've ruined everything. It's uh, late, but I guess we don't feel much like sleeping now, do we? So let's just sit down in front of the bar and swap yarn. Isn't one of the mob missing? Where's Dolores? We don't need her for this little party. Come here, baby. Come here and sit down beside me. All right, Chief. Now? Now if we're all together, I'll call the meeting to order. What happened to that Texas draw, partner? <laughs> I guess I'm just a big ham at heart, but it, it serves a purpose. With that twang, you can talk to anybody and get away with practically anything. Christopher thought it. The night we sailed. Yeah, London's smart. He's a lot too smart for his own good. I kept telling him that on those notes I left for him under his cabin door. Look, will I be interrupting if I ask a few questions? No. No, no, go ahead. Uh, well, first about me. I assume you have some kind of plan in mind? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, well, that's what I figured. If only you'd listen to me, Christopher, before it was too late. This talk of answers nothing. Why can't we not dispose of Senor London without delay further? Take it easy. There's no hurry. Yeah. Anything else you want to know, London? I think I already know most of it. I suppose the Filipino who was killed in San Francisco came from here. Yes, that's right. Managed to sneak off the place somehow. I see. Naturally, I had to kill him. That was close. <laughs> Yeah, I hate these storms. Well, I didn't know you scared so easily, Linda. Oh, by the way, was it you who killed your maid, Maria? Well, I had to, Christopher. She caught Jim and me together and guessed how it was. She said she was going to tell you, so... So I had to. You know, Linda, for a nice girl, you're something out of a nightmare. Christopher, you shouldn't talk to me like that. After all, it, it wasn't as if... I think that hit the house. Listen. Easy, Solaris, I will go. There was a split second of confusion, but a split second can be the difference between life and death. I threw myself at Blake, slamming my shoulder into his chest and he crashed to the floor. I got out of there with a broken left arm and a revolver. I don't know whether it was Blake's or Ibarra's. I don't know how much damage I did, but at least there was nobody following me as I retraced the road to the slave's stockade. Sentry was standing at the gate holding a Tommy gun cradled in his arm. I got as close to him as I could, sheltered by the trunk of a huge mahogany tree, less than 15 feet from the gate. And then he heard me. Halt! Who goes there? Now listen to me very carefully. I'm giving you a chance to save your life. Drop your gun and open that gate. Who are you? A friend. Open the gate and let those men out. And I'll give you one more chance. I don't want to hurt you. Now let those men out. Well, if that's the way it's got to be. And Linda? She's dead, too? Yes, Mr. Andrews. With the others. When the men streamed out of the stockade, they well, there was no stopping them. But she died instantly with a bullet through her heart. 
What she did sounds as impossible as all the rest of it. Then, actual slavery sounds impossible, too. Have you any idea how much actual slavery still exists in the world today? It's not a comforting thought, but one we can't afford not to think about. Freedom is still something to fight for. That was Christopher London, starring Glenn Ford, and created especially for radio by the world's most widely read mystery writer, Earl Stanley Gardner. Christopher London is produced and directed by William N. Robeson and was tonight written by Mindred Lord. Musical score was composed and conducted by Lynn Murray. The support supporting company included Joan Banks, Virginia Gregg, Barton Yarborough, Ted DeCorsius, Alan Reed, and Ben Wright. Mystery fans, you'll find two other great house-packed adventure programs on most of these NBC stations every Monday night. Listen tomorrow night for Night Beat and Dangerous Assignment in one hour of intrigue and adventure on NBC. On Night Beat, you'll meet Randy Stone, as portrayed by Frank Lovejoy. You'll travel the night beat of a newspaper with Randy as he searches the big city for a story to make good reading in the morning edition. Then it's time for Brian Donlevy and Dangerous Assignment. Wherever there's trouble brewing throughout the world, there you'll find Soldier of Fortune Donlevy chasing down the forces of evil to their very lairs. These two programs, Night Beat and Dangerous Assignment, add up to one hour of the best in action-packed adventure mystery, and you'll hear them both tomorrow night on NBC. And be with us again next week at this time when Christopher London returns with another exciting excursion against crime. Stay tuned for the Phil Harris's and then Sam Spade on NBC. Welcome back. Well, this was one of the m- more dramatic uh, radio programs. This is this is actually one of my favorite uh, ever of any uh, program. This was well done, uh, dramatic, uh, with a lot of surprises and twists and turns. Uh, and uh, I loved it as much the second time as I did the first time I listened to it uh, quite a while back. Uh, this is definitely a show with some uh, staying power. And this uh, timeless battle for freedom. All right, well, that will actually do it for today. Uh, comments from Podcast Alley. Greatly enjoy the shows. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday with Let George Do It. In the meanwhile, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Give us a call, 208 991 4783. And uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.